He played Karakan. His rating was higher. But from move seventeen, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast. My rook was a knife, and my almighty queen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night, the official podcast of U.S. Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Chahadi, and you are listening to the artist Huga of HugaMusica.com, and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh, Capablanca! His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast for your shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. He has more experience, but I won't lose again. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night. I am Jennifer Shahadi, and today our special guest is Lauren Goodkind. She is from the Bay Area. She's a chess teacher, speaker, author of two books, Poison Pieces and Queen for a Day, The Girl's Guide to Chess Mastery. She also has a chess puzzle site, Chess by Lauren, and I've known her over the years to be a big advocate for a goal that's very dear to U.S. chess and, of course, to me to bring more girls and women into our great game. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, so you learned chess from your mom. Um, at least I read that online. Can you tell us about that and how important it is for other women to teach women? So I learned the game when I was eight years old from my mom. And it's an interesting story. So my mom, she's just a casual chess player. So she doesn't play in tournaments. And it was interesting because when I was eight years old, I didn't take chess that seriously. So chess was just like any other game, like Monopoly or Checkers. So I would just play it from time to time. And I didn't know what stalemate was. My mom didn't know what stalemate was too. So I thought that stalemate was checkmate. And I didn't know about chess tournaments at that time. But once I got into high school, when I was 15 years old, that's when I started to play in chess tournaments. And that's how, and then I got really serious about it. Nice. And your mother taught you, did she teach your, you have a twin sister, right? Um, yes, and she also um, taught our older brother too. So my sister also plays chess, and we're the same rating. We're about like eighteen hundred. Yeah, but my mom, she's just a casual chess player. So now, is your sister an identical twin sister? Yeah, we're identical twins. So it's kind of fun. People would get us mixed up, but you know, it's it's fun to be an identical twin. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a chess player, I bet. Do you guys play identical openings or do you, you have a big difference in your style? You, you said you're about the same level rating, but what about your chess styles and your openings? Um, we are different. I like to play E4. I like to play the pawns, the Ani. And my sister, she likes to play um, D4. And 
I don't play D4. I also think my sister also plays the French defense or the Khan. I used to play Khan or French defense for a long, um, certain number of time, but I didn't really like it. So right now I play the Scandinavian and my sister, she still plays D4. For me, um, I only play D4 from time to time, but I think for the most part, I play the Ponziani because that's just my own style. I love um, E4. That's fun. E4, the Ponziani, by the way, is E4, E5, C3, right? Yes. Okay. Well, so we, what, what's the idea of the opening? Like you play C3 and then if they play knight F6, what happens? Oh, okay. So after knight F6, then you want to um, get, you want to control the center. So you move the pawn to D4. Ah, okay. So it's D4. And then if knight E4, there's like, uh, you, you, you just take on E5? No. It depends on like how they play. I really like the idea of the Ponziani too. And I never thought about it for more than like two seconds. Cause I haven't played double King pawn and you know, since I was a little kid, yeah. um, but my brother is playing double King pawn now. And he's, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, it's fun to play because if you're a teacher, it's like good for you to know all the classics. And it just occurred to me, like, I literally don't even know the idea of the openings. Cause to me, I'm like, Oh, E4, E5, C3, knight of 64, knight e4. If I were to take on e5, like bishop c5 would be good. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there's like some really crazy tactics there that I'm going to look up after this call. Yes. So um, anyway, uh, so you play the Ponziani. It sounds like you guys play completely different openings. As you know, there are a lot of uh, debates in chess about nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of debates about that related to, to women as well. And I noticed in, obviously, in uh, psychology research and in research in general, there's like, this obsession with twins, right? Because you can, you know, study twins, especially twins that were like separated at birth, which of course is not the case with you. But right. um, there, there's just so much research that's done because of twins, right? Because yeah, you can... Yeah. You can, you can see these two people with the identical DNA moving through life and how they're similar and how they're different. And so I, I feel like that um, the story of you playing t diametrically different styles is so interesting to me. What do you think the explanation for that is? I think the most important thing is like, I just want to be my own person, right? So I've always just stuck with E4 and I just like it. But I mean, I guess like my twin sister, I guess she didn't like it. I mean, I talked to her um, about it a couple of times, but she's like, I don't like E4. But again, it's it's just personal preference. I mean, like there's some openings that I like and there's some openings that I don't like. It's just, you have to find um, openings that you like. For me, it's just like E4, it's always worked. I've, I like to be aggressive, but if I'm playing an opponent and if my opponent um, is very tactical, I might switch it to D4 because D4 is more positional. But I feel for the most part, it's like E4. And my sister, um, she just likes D4, but that's just the way it is. What other kind of like main differences are there between you guys personality-wise? Does that like bear itself out in other ways or is it just kind of specific to chess? Like the more aggressive versus the more positional? I think I'm more aggressive, but I think she's more positional. But I mean, I'm just saying it's like, we're two different people. So we have different hobbies too. We have similarities and um, differences too. So even though it's identical twins, like we both like to play tennis. 
And, uh, but I like to crochet and I like to do improv comedy, but my sister, she's not really into that. So she's into um, juggling. Oh, nice. Improv comedy. I feel like I've read bios and stuff of you and that must be a new, is that a new hobby, improv comedy? That's, I've been doing it for a couple of years and I think it's fun. I think it's important to just have fun, just talk to different people, just be silly. And I actually did it last night. It's just fun. I, I just enjoy connecting with other people. What was the best moment from your improv comedy last night? I had, I was pretending that I was a robot. And it was, and I had to, I went, I was a robot and I had to go to a vegan restaurant and I was ordering vegan fake food. And it was just like, it was just kind of funny. It's like, okay, I'm going to eat fake ice cream, fake burgers and robots drink gasoline. So it was just, it was a a funny scene. That that does sound like a a great image. Um, Are you vegan? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not vegan, but I, I, I pretended to be vegan. I opened this discussion actually talking about how your mom taught you chess. And I don't know if I was um, articulate enough when I explained why I was asking that because so many kids learn from their dads. And I, I just think that as we have a generation with more girls and women who play chess, more kids are going to start learning from their, their moms and there's more female trainers like yourself. Um, and how important is that, that there are women out there, both as mothers, but also as like teachers and coaches to encouraging more girls in general? I think that's, I think like being a woman um, chess teacher, I think that's a very important role model um, because if you're a kid, it's like, hey, women and girls, like they can play chess too. And I think that's really important. I mean, I know like chess is a male dominated game, but you know, women and girls, we are tough. We can play chess really, really well. And I know, like, in the past, a couple of uh, my students' parents, they came up to me because they wanted a woman chess teacher. And so I was able to um, teach their kids. Yeah, I think like, some parents, they're looking for um, female um, chess teachers. And I think that's really, really important. We have to just stay strong and say, like, hey, like women, we can play chess too. And we can play chess really, really well. Oh, yes. Yes, we can. Um, and speaking of uh, women who play chess very well, the, the greatest um, woman chess player in history and one of the great attacking players of all time, Judith Polgar, I saw a photo of you with her at the London Chess Conference, right? So you got a chance to meet her there. Can you tell us about um, about that? Yes, it was my very first time meeting Judith Poker. It was so exciting. I mean, I've actually um, seen Susan Poker, um, Judith's sister, a couple of times. I helped Susan out a couple of times at her um, chess tournaments. But like seeing Judith in person in London, that was really exciting. So I remember like she um, she autographed like, a piece of paper and it was just nice to um, just listen to her and because she was at the conference. So she was just talking about like her chess experience. So it was just nice to just, um, again, listen to her and it was inspirational. So it's, actually, it's really nice to um, meet the um, chess stars in the, um, in the chess community. So it was really exciting. 
What what was your biggest takeaway from her speaking at that event? And I have seen some recordings of that. It's been about a year and a half now, but what was like one of your most memorable things that you heard her talk about at that conference? It's been a while, but I think I think she was a she's a very good um, positive role model, and I think she's inspirational because she's breaking a lot of barriers in the chess community. So I think that's exciting, and it's like it's like like anything is possible. It was good to listen to her. Yeah, I bet. And what was your role at the conference? You spoke on a panel as well, didn't you? Um, I did. Um, I just talked about um, my chess experience too. So I talked about when I was growing up, um, I was in special ed. And I just talked about like, you know, I didn't, I didn't do too well in school myself. But I basically um, talked about like chess, it, it changed, um, it really helped my life. And chess was a very um, positive outlet for my life. And I talked about like how chess changed my life. I see. So you weren't doing well in regular school, but then when you discovered chess, you, you know, gained confidence. Is that kind of what happened or no? So my story is that chess helped me because I didn't really fit in socially um, when I was growing up in high school. When I was growing up, um, I saw a speech therapist. I have, um, tr- I had trouble saying uh, my R's and my L's. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I would get like people, kids like would make fun of me. And it was, it was not a good time for me. And I needed a positive outlet. So I just remember like when I was 15, I remember my dad who does not play chess. He just realized like I was playing chess at home. And then he took me um, to a chess club and I went to that chess club um, once a week. And so chess, it just became a positive outlet for me because it was like, hey, I really enjoyed winning games. I just didn't really like school that much because I mean, I didn't really fit in. I couldn't, I had a hard time um, studying, but it, I, I, I just kept on looking forward to every Thursday because that was the day when I went to the chess club um, to play chess. And that, that was fantastic because I, I just, I was just, I just got really good at the game and it's like, Hey, I can look forward to this. And then when people found out that you were really good at chess, did they realize that, you know, they shouldn't underestimate somebody because they're they have a any kind of issues with their speech yeah I think like I think people um respected me mm-hmm. the way that I look at things is that everyone is smart in their own way I, I think that some people are very intimidated by the game because like it's like oh yeah you're gonna think ahead but I really believe that people are smart in their own way and I, I will be open. Like I couldn't really concentrate um, in school, and my g- overall GPA was a like a B minus C plus average. I was never a straight eight student, but chess was. I, but I was really good at chess. So I think again, I think that everyone's smart in their own way. But I kept on. I wanted to continue to pursue chess because I was good at it. I just really enjoyed going to the chess club once a week. And then like I would win a lot of my games and it was fun. I mean, right now I'm a chess teacher. I teach six days a week. And so I'm just like very thankful that I um like chess is in my life. Do you think that part of it was that you didn't have to speak when you played chess? Was that freeing at all? 
I guess like you don't really have to talk when you're playing. I just wanted to beat my opponent. And again, chess is a male-dominated game, so like most of my opponents are men and boys. And I mean, it didn't really bother me like how old my opponent was, but I guess like I just wanted to win. That's all I wanted to do. And like, because it just felt good winning. Do you feel like when you are put in special ed classes that it's a signal to the child that like people don't think they're smart? I think it can have a negative impact on a kid. Because I know someone and she had a learning disability and, she, and since she was labeled like learning disability, like she thought she was dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a real turn off. And I know for me, it's like, no, I had to be strong as a person. And it's like, okay, like I never got straight A's, but, and I like, I never really excelled. I never, I mean, I did go to college after I graduated from high school. So I mean, my grades were okay. I mean, C plus, um, B minus on G, um, GPA. But I think like, even if someone has some kind of disability, they are smart in their own way, but they have to learn how to overcome it. I know that for me, it was when I was growing up, I was very, very self-conscious about my speech because, um, and I had trouble saying the R's and L's. So because of that, I didn't want to say any word that had the R or an L in it. And it's, it's so interesting because my name is Lauren. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But I think it's important to just have a strong mind and you need to find ways to overcome your obstacles. That's how you can go forward in life. That's really, really important. I agree. I mean, I think what you say about everybody being smart in their own way, I think that people have, if they're motivated about something, they can really just like outstrip all expectations. And that's why it's so important to make kids confident and believe in themselves and Sounds like chess did that for you, which is beautiful. I'm really grateful that you um, are sharing with us because I think it can be really inspiring to not only kids who are, you know, bullied uh, because something different about them, but also to educators, to, you know, different ways that you can use chess. So you wrote a book called Queen for a Day, The Girl's Guide to Chess Mastery um, with a star character, Sophia. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea to use this key character, Sophia, who was trying to decide what move to make in each position. So um, what I did is I wanted Sophia to be a beginner. So she just learned how to play chess um, recently. And I've been teaching chess for the last eight years. So um, in all of my students are below 1,000. And I noticed that beginners, they make a lot of silly uh, mistakes. And because of that, I wanted Sophia to make silly mistakes too. Um, That's really, really important. But in my book, I give the reader three choices. One move is a bad move. And the other move is an okay move good move and then the third move is the it's like the best move and all I wanted to do with this book is to get people to play chess proficiently so I give the reader three choices and then they have to figure out what the best move is 
Um, and then once I turn the page, then I can read if the move is good or bad. And in this book, you get to play an entire chess game. And we always play, we, we always play the okay good move or the best move. We never go with a bad move. And the reason why sometimes we go with the okay good move is because I don't, if you're a beginner, I don't, it's, you can't really expect them to play grandmaster moves, right? So if they play an okay move, then that's proficient. It's decent. It's a good, it's a good, it's a, it's okay move. But I tell people like, if you can find the best move, then that's fantastic. The other thing um, I wanted to um, tell people is like, I did write this book for women and girls to play chess. It is for beginners. But if you're a man or a boy, and if you're starting out, this book would also benefit too. That's great. I think that's an important takeaway because we talk a lot about how girls and women, it's important for them to learn from women, but it's also important for boys to learn from females. And when I came out with Play Like a Girl, a lot of people sent me photos of their boys reading it. So that was very moving to me. Um, I'm glad that you made that point. When did you come up with the idea? Um, at what point, because it is a unique idea for a chess book, uh, like what inspired the idea? Was it just kind of like a eureka moment or had you been kind of formulating it for a while? Um, the reason why I wrote this book is because, well, first of all, I am a woman chess teacher and I want to inspire more women and girls to play chess. And I know that there's not a lot of chess books out there um, for women and girls to play chess. So because of that, I decided, no, it's my turn to write a chess book for women and girls to play chess and also i don't know like any other chess books out there where you can play an entire chess game because um in a book and so in this in, for, in this book queen for a day the girl's guide to chess mastery you get to play an entire chess game with sophia and i figured like that would be a really good way for people to learn how to play chess i remember like when i first started playing chess I thought that moving the rook pawns two spaces was a good move. I didn't know anything about the center. So I thought like, okay, I'm just going to do my part to inspire more women and girls to play chess. And in the future, I want to continue to write more chess books. That's, that's my goal. Um, that's yeah. great. I mean, it sounds like you're a very creative person. So the combination of the analytical and the creative is, is this, uh, these books. So you've written two books yourself. What are your favorite books besides your own, of course? So one of my favorite books is The Amateur's Mind, The Journal Man. I really like that book. And the reason why is because he asks players like different strengths to like analyze a position. And it's, it's kind of interesting because if you ask like a 1200 rated player about a position, their perspective is going to be different than like a 2000 rated player. And so it's just really interesting about like the thought process. That is a, that's great. I love Jeremy Selman. And I, and I get that because you also obviously took some of that. The amateur mind uh, has some kind of similarity with uh, Sophia as she is a, a new chess player. Great pick. You talk on your website about playing against billionaire tech entrepreneur and chess master Peter Thiel. Can you tell us about that game? Yes. So that was actually my very first time playing against a chess master. And I was nervous because it was like, 
Oh my gosh, my rating is only 1600. He's a master. That's 600 points above my rating. And I never played him before. I never played a master. So it's like, it's like, okay, this was um, actually played at the Berlin Game Chess Club. And um, Berlin Game Chess Club, um, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so that was where the game was held, is the tournament. And I just remember that. I said, okay, look, he's a master. I'm just going to play my best. We'll see what happens. And the time control, I believe it was game in two hours. So that means that um, the game could last four hours. And I just just told myself, okay, look, I'm just going to play my best. And I actually played well. And then um, we actually ended up drawing. And it was so exciting because it was like, Oh my gosh, I drew against a chess master. It was actually, it was very inspirational. I know at the end, like, um, he kept, we kept on moving the kings and I knew like nobody could make progress. And then he's like, uh, and I think I asked him for a draw or I did, or maybe he did. I don't, I don't really remember. I mean, this was a long, long time ago, but yeah, we agreed to a draw. Yeah, so yeah, I'm always going to remember that game because again, it was the first time drawing or first time playing a master in a tournament game. So that's amazing. So you not only did you play him, but you actually um, made a draw in that game. And it wasn't like from a better position. It was just a, a draw by it sounds like perpetual. Yeah. Or um, by, um, you say, did you say perpetual or reduced material? No, no, it was just agreement because our pawns were locked. And we kept on just moving the kings and we couldn't, like, we couldn't break in to each other's position. So we, we just agreed to it all. Lauren, you're from the Bay Area. And what do you feel about the chess world? Like, what's the number one thing or just anything that you feel like would be great to change about the chess world? Something that, like, is on your wish list that you would love to see done differently? I want to see more women and girls to play chess. And... Because I mean, again, like when I play in a chess tournament, it's always men and boys. And it's like, I know like in my experience, like when I play in a tournament and if I do play against um, a female, I'm actually so happy because it's like, oh, that playing a female, it doesn't happen that often. So I would like to see more women and girls to um, play chess, but that's why um, I'm doing my part to inspire more women and girls to play chess. I love it. I love it. And what about your teaching philosophy? Like if you have a new student, what is the first thing that you usually do with them? It depends on the student, but I do ask them what their specific goals are. Actually, like most of my students do not play in tournaments and I'm perfectly fine with that. But some of my students do play in tournaments. I want my students to really just enjoy um, playing chess. And I just learn about like what they want to accomplish in chess. I know that um, if my students want to play in a chess tournament, then what I'll do is I'll talk about how to notate in chess. And then I'll talk about like tournament opportunities. And I talk about like, okay, like this is how, this is like what you need to do before each move. Um, but it depends on the student. I do teach um, people of all ages. My youngest student is um, five years old. And I've taught people like in their 80s. Wow. Yes. But I do encourage my students to play in tournaments because then they're playing against 
other people. Because oftentimes, like, if you don't play in tournaments, oftentimes they want to play, like, with other family members. I mean, that's exciting, but sometimes I can get kind of old. On live, they're only playing against other family members. I see what you mean. What are your goals? You mentioned writing more books. Anything else? I want to continue to write some more chess books, right? Now, I'm working on another confidential project right now. But after I finish my other project... Then I'm going to continue to write more chess books for more women and girls to play chess. I'm going to eventually maybe try to get my rating up to 2,000. I think that would be a good goal. I know that two years ago, um, I was getting um, chess lessons from an international master. I think that was like once a week. And my rating went up to 1,900 again for like a, a couple of times, but then I did down. I had a really bad term and dipped down to the 1,800. I think eventually I'll try to make it up to 2000. Great calls. Um, and now you, uh, you said it's a big mission for you to get more girls and women in the game as it is for me as well. Um, any insights into how we can retain, cause you discovered chess at eight and kept with it your whole life. So many people discover chess at eight, maybe, or five or six or seven, play for two or three years and then stop playing. This does happen for girls and boys, but it happens at an even more, an even higher rate for girls. So any kind of like retention tips, either from your own experience or from what you've observed? I feel that attending all girl tournaments is really exciting. I remember that when... I mean, like when I was in high school, I would go to the all-girl tournaments and that was really exciting because I got to meet other girls and that was really exciting. And I know that um, the last couple of years I've been playing in the all-women's California um, championships in Berkeley, California. And like, it was so much fun because it's like every single round you're playing against another um, female and it's, it's exciting. I, and I think um, between rounds, you can connect with them and make friends that way. Brilliant. I completely agree. I think that's great. It's a little hard though, because um, the, my only issue with that is like, on one hand, I agree with that for girls, but for women and teens, it's harder because uh, the age range is so young. So it becomes... It becomes difficult because you're if you're an 18 year old, you're probably mostly playing against like 10 and eight year olds, right? Not really people you can be friends with. That's why what I'm doing now, these online girls clubs, I'm really happy with because uh, we have a teen club and um, a lot the teens are from all over the country. So as we get more teens, there's going to be more in each geographical area. But right now they're a little spread out, you know, kind of like adult women chess players. I see. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it takes time. One thing um, I'm trying to do is I'm um, I've been giving I've been giving workshops too, chess workshops, and I think like that's it's like I'm a good role model. Like people can learn chess from me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those are for girls. Um, you sometimes have ones that are just for girls as well as both sexes. No, it's for for um, both sexes. Okay, for everyone. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and you can find out about all this stuff on your website, chessbylauren.com. And you're also on all of the uh, social media networks, including YouTube and L Goodkind on Twitter. And of course, you can find your book everywhere. Um, and all of the links on your your socials and your website show you that. So yeah, this has been a great conversation, Lauren. Is there anything else you want to add? 
Um, yes, my first book is 50 Poison Pieces, Dale. But I think the most important thing is I think it's really important to believe in yourself as a person and just keep on just being positive. That's really, really important. Love it. I think that's advice that we can all live by. Be positive even in difficult times like right now. And Lauren Goodkind on Ladies' Night, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much um, for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. If you like what we're doing at U.S. Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our U.S. Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The U.S. Chess Suite of Podcasts, including Ladies' Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. Chess Podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies' night. Now according to Sogfish, I got it all wrong. After slap.